All right, so really want to encourage you again, and I know I'm like emphasizing this, but this is a great opportunity to reach out to your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers. This is a great opportunity. And if you don't know this, and you are a Christian here this morning, Jesus has called you to reach out. He has called you to bring the good news about himself to the people around you. And a lot of times Christians don't understand this, but it, they think, oh, it's the church's job, it's the, it's the pastor's job. No, it's the people's job. The, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people to do the ministry. And the ministry is reconciliation, which is what? Jesus is reconciling or wanting to bring the whole world back to himself. And how does that happen? Well, that only happens, it says, how will they go? How will they know unless someone uh, tells them? How will the person go unless they're sent? And how will they hear unless they're preached to or, to, or, talk, to, or talk to about this? And so all this stuff interrelates and in that when you go and you actually reach out and you make the effort and you go to reach out and serve and you're kind of like, I'm not that kind of person. Well, the reality is, according to the gospel, he never asked you to, if you were that kind of person. He tells you to do it. And if you re want to really get technical and you're a Christian, you're under an authority of a king who gives you a command in Matthew 28. And in the Greek, it's called an emphatic imperative. And what is an emphatic and imperative? It's like, you must do this. It's literally, we would consider it an order. And Matthew 28 is written in the structure of an emphatic imperative. And it says, go into all the world. It says, go. And he's telling us all to do that. So really what I want to do, and one of the reasons why we give away these movie tickets is to take away all the barriers, all the excuses. We want to motivate you. We want to honor you. We want to reward you for actually stepping into the ministry of the gospel and actually doing what your God would have you to do. And then also we want to take down the barriers for any of your friends, family members, neighbors, coworkers, anything. We want to remove any barriers or any excuses, right? Because anybody can suck it up for an hour or an hour and a half to get a free, you know, it's a motivator. Right? That's, that's what it's all about. So we want to really encourage you to do this, participate with this. We do this for a limited time, and we do it the whole month. And this is an opportunity for you to be a part of that. So what we do, also, we're going to do, we're do a teaching series kind of wrapped around this. Um, anybody see that movie, Inside Out? Yeah. Yeah? Did you like that movie? Yeah. I, meh. Meh. All the women were like, yes, that was awesome. It was about feelings. Dudes are like, eh, I don't know. I wasn't too into that. But... <laughs> it was awesome. I know it's Pixar, right? They hardly ever do it. So kind of like what we're working off of is we work off of themes. I'm not going to talk too much about the movie, but I'm trying to pull out some themes from different movies that are kind of going on. And one of the deals with that movie is feelings. And so today we're going to talk about how to deal with how you feel, right? Not good. How to deal with how you feel. And here's the deal. Here's the deal with how you feel. You were created as an emotional being. You were created with emotions, on purpose, with a purpose, created not just with emotional abilities, but you were created by an emotional God. God loves, God experiences hatred, he hates sin, he hates things that are against him, he experiences compassion, he, 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 all of the emotions that we feel are a result of them being given to us or gifted to us by our creator. Genesis says this, God said, let us make mankind in our own image and in our own likeness. So we are made in the image and likeness of God. We are structured emotionally in the image and likeness of God. The original design of your creation, the purpose of your emotions is to give you an ability to experience God. 
You can experience God. And we kind of treat God on the stoic level and over here and I just serve God and it's all about this. And there's no emotion attached to our relationship with God. And that is completely not how we were intended to be. We were created to experience, to feel as he feels, to understand as he understands. And then through that relationship with him, reflect that, that passion, reflect that love, reflect that compassion, reflect that truth to the world around us. However, there's a critical problem. Okay, that's the original design. There's been a car crash on I-95 and the vehicle is no longer functional. The problem is, is that's how we were created, but that is not how we are. There's been a problem. What is the problem? The famous word sin is the problem. We are broken. Every single human being on the planet is born in sin. Therefore, according to the scripture, we are born broken, fatally flawed, hopeless and helpless in need of a savior. So the whole point of Jesus, if you didn't need to be saved, you wouldn't need a savior. The whole point of Jesus is that you need to be saved, not just from sin or the effects of sin, not just sin, but also the effects of sin. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came, prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, and he prophesied as to why the Messiah would come. He would come because we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us have turned away to our own way. And in doing so, man was created to reflect and to be in relationship and to be in communion. Imago, image, a reflected image is the idea, a reflected image of the one who created him. The problem is, is that mankind turned away from the reflected image of the one who created him and turned back to a reflected image of himself. That's our problem. We traded the lens of God for a mirror and we begin to worship ourselves. Me, myself, and I, it's all about. That's what it's all about. And that's literally the root of sin. All sin comes from selfishness. Desire of the eyes, desire of the flesh, and the pride of life. That is the root of sin. The Bible would call it lust, but we oftentimes relate lust in a sexual way. That's not what it's saying. The word lust in the Bible is, self, is purely selfish desire. It, doesn't really, it, may, it may include sex outside of God's economy, but it may not. What, what lust is is selfish desire. So it's the selfish desires of what I see, the selfish desires of what I want, and the selfish desire or the pride that I'm actually going to take it or I'm going to do it regardless of how anybody feels. That's sin. We have to understand sin. sin. Sin's very clarifying. I tell this to Elevate all the time. I have no issues with sin. Lots of pastors don't want to talk about sin. Nobody wants to talk about sin anymore. There's no sin. There's no sin. There's no sin. We completely nullify the work of the, of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is sent to testify of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if the church does not proclaim sin, righteousness, what is right to God, and the, and, and the coming judgment or the impending judgment of those who do not receive the grace that's offered, we nullify the work of the Holy Spirit. Because that is the very reason that he is sent, is to bear witness of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so this has to be part of the conversation. And it makes us feel uncomfortable, but sin clarifies it. Sin clarifies to me why the world is the way that it is. Sin clarifies to me why I am the way that I am. I'm a sinner, right? I'm a sinner and I need Jesus and he loves me. That, that, that clarifies it to me. I, wow, is that why I do that? Is that why I talk like that? Is that why I have that attitude? Is that why I do, I'm a sinner. Wow, that makes sense. 
So how do I get it right? I come under the grace of God. I come back. Why is the world broken? Why is the world fallen? Why is there mean things and violence and, and murder and anger and hatred and all of these crazy things? Because the world has fallen and is broken in sin. You ever tried to, ladies, here's one for you. You ever tried to put your makeup on in a broken mirror? Kind of difficult, right? Looking into a broken mirror, you don't really, you can kind of get a, a semblance of what you're, who you are, but you're looking at yourself in a very fragmented way, and you really, even to apply makeup in a broken mirror, that's what happens. The image of man and the image of mankind is broken. It is a broken mirror. It is shattered. The imago, or the image of God that we are created to be, has been broken because of sin. Well, what is sin? Isn't that the operative question, right? Define terms. Jesus loves to define terms. The Bible loves to define terms. The Old Testament and the New Testament in particular was not just translated into Greek, but the New Testament was written in Greek. Why did God choose Greek? Specifically Koine Greek. Why Koine Greek? Koine Greek is the most point-specific language in the history of the human race. There is no language that is more point-specific than Koine Greek. So when God chose to write his New Testament gospel in Koine Greek, when God chose to translate his Old Testament writings into Koine Greek, he was doing it with a reason so that there would be point-specific understanding as to what he was actually saying. English is a hybrid language. Many of you who speak different languages, English is kind of weird because it's kind of like a goulash, right? We just kind of, or a paella. We just throw everything in a pot and mix it up. You know, that's what English is. Greek is not koine, ancient Greek is not like that, it's specific. Multiple words for love, multiple words for the word sin. So sin in the Bible can be clarified very distinctly. Sin, there's harmatia, harmatano. The sin that causes us to be broken, the sin that causes us to fall is the word harmatia. And in the Greek it meant a, a hero's fall from a height. A heroic person who falls from a place of status. A heroic person who does something, an offense, that there is an offense that is created that has caused the hero to fall. That is the sin that separates all man from God. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that our Heavenly Father created us to be heroic. It tells us that our Heavenly Father created us to hold an elevated position. We were created to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fall of the earth. All of the earth was given to us. We were given an elevated position. And the offense that we had is Isaiah. We offended God by turning away to our own way. And in doing so, we fell. We fell. And you know what happens when you fall? You get broken, correct? If you fall, it's not healthy, especially if you fall from a great height. If you, if you actually survive the fall, the miracle is, is that the human race actually survived the fall. There's grace in that alone. We survived the fall. But in falling from grace, like a mirror shattered on the ground, now we're broken. Now we're disfigured from the fall. Now we don't walk the same. We don't kind of function the same because we've been fallen. Harmatia, we are broken and flawed. Harmatano means to miss the mark. Okay, so here we have the offense that separates us from God. And then we have the sin that keeps us from destiny. And this is very important because we set Christians free here all the time from bad teaching. One of the problems is, is that we teach people, well, sin, 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 and Christians always got to run around thinking they got to get saved again, or, oh my gosh, God doesn't love me because I sinned. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Harmatano, or harmatia, is the offense that Jesus died for. He took away the sin of the world. 
When you receive Christ, the harmatia, what you have done and who you are as an offense to God is removed. You are no longer an offense to him. You are adopted into his family and you are now his child, his son and daughter. No more offense. I will be angry with you no more. The love of God will not depart from you. You are now a different person, a new creation. Harmatia is gone. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to repent again. Or you don't need to go get saved again and again and again and again and again and again and again. When you receive Christ, you receive him once. But that doesn't mean you don't sin, right? It doesn't mean we don't have character flaws. That doesn't mean that we're not stumbling around doing things that, are, that, are, uh, that make us move away from a destiny. So the second side of sin is this idea of harmatano. And I'm getting to why we feel this way. Harmatano means to miss. It's often translated to miss the mark but it also means lost. So the, the image or the word picture is an archer shooting at a target and he misses the target or she misses the target and the arrow is lost. So what happens is when we make choices, whether ignorantly or arrogantly against what God has created or against the created design, we miss the target of our destiny. We miss the target of our purpose and ultimately we are lost. So when mankind fell, not only was there a great breaking, there was a great loss. We became lost to our purpose, lost to our destiny, lost to our identity, lost to who God is, and we're emotionally lost. If we really want to be honest, one of the effects of sin is not just emotional brokenness. It's why we're on all this medication. We're the most medicated culture in the history of the world. And I got nothing against medication. I'm not against that. But what it tells us is that we are severely broken emotionally. We have some really broken emotional problems, right? We're not just broken as a people emotionally. We're lost as a people emotionally. We don't know how we feel. And we don't know why we're feeling that way. Because we're lost. We're lost. And so this is the deal. To understand what's going on here, we have to understand the root of it all. And to understand, after we understand the root of why things are the way they are, we have to understand why the solution is so great. A remedy doesn't mean anything unless your doctor tells you your condition, correct? <laughs> you could go into the doctor and he can hand you a bottle of pills and he could go here, take these twice a day. And you kind of leave the office and then you don't take them. And then you go back to see him and he's like, did you take the medicine twice a day? No. Didn't I tell you that if you don't take the medicine twice a day, you're going to die? Didn't I tell you that you can't get better unless you take that? No, no, you didn't tell me that. Now, all of a sudden, if I don't take this medicine twice a day, I'm going to die. All of a sudden, now that medicine has a tremendous amount of value to me. Jesus doesn't have value because we don't tell people what the problem is. If we point out the problem, then all of a sudden, Jesus is illuminated as a great solution. Or not a great solution, the solution. He's the solution to it all. He's the solution to every area of our life where we're lost. We not only get the forgiveness of sins, we get a redefined purpose. We get a redefined destiny. We understand who God is. We understand truth. We understand our identity. We can actually begin to cope with our emotions in a holistic way. And that's what the Bible is. It's holistic. What that means is the whole person. The scripture de deals with the whole person. It deals with the spirit. It deals with the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And it deals with the body. Everything Jesus did was in relationship to that. Next slide. We really don't know how do we feel, and we're oftentimes controlled by our emotions. Can we agree? Right? You don't have to. All you got to do is look at Facebook. All you got to do is look at Twitter. All you got to do is look at a few text messages that you've sent or someone sent to you, a few phone calls. Somebody said, that's the problem with cell phones. I can't slam them anymore. 
You know, when you used to talk on the phone, you'd get mad at people. Bam, you could just slam that phone down. Yeah. Now we're like this. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> but what emotions are, it's the, we get our word emotion. Here's a Latin word in the English language. It's the word emote, and it means to move out. So emotions come from the idea of emoting or moving out. And here's your, here's your types of emotions. Here's one of the areas where you can become healthy is simply by understanding what emotions are. Right? We can understand the different types of emotions. We have what are called reactive emotions and we have what are called rooted emotions. Now, reactive emotions are things where love is, you, it's a response to love. It's a response to kindness, compassion. It's a responsive emotion or a reactive emotion. Or someone offends you and there's a reactive emotion. Someone cuts you off on the highway. There's a reactive emotion. You get passed over for a promotion. There's a reactive emotion. So we have reactive emotions and we have rooted emotions. Rooted emotions are the ones that are really fragmented within us. This is, gets down to the nitty gritty. This is where we really start pulling up into the driveway of where everybody lives. We have fractured emotions. We have rooted emotions. And those rooted emotions often create reactive emotions, triggers, people, places, and things. Something that happened to you in childhood, a trauma, a lie, a perception that you have that creates an emotional reaction. You get around someone, you start hearing a song, and all of a sudden a reactive emotion is happening. You smell a fragrance, and a reactive emotion is happening. You think of a place, and a reactive emotion is happening, both good and bad. Just because your emotions move out does not mean you have to. So the, an emotion is a moving out, a moving out of a feeling. So just because anger wants to move out, it doesn't mean you have to follow it, right? Just because, some, just because uh, you know, whatever, lust or a selfish desire moves out doesn't mean you have to follow it. So we have the ability to control our emotions. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So that means to control your emotions. We control our emotions. If we don't, we're a city without broken down walls, which means we are victimized. Jesus has not called you to be victimized. He's called you to be a victor. And if you do not learn to control your emotions, and we're going to talk about how to do that, what that looks like. So don't worry. I'm not leaving you to figure that out. We're going to give you some guidelines. You can pray. God will give you more insight. But without an understanding of how to control your emotions, you become victimized by your emotions. You create situations and circumstances that wouldn't happen simply because you didn't control your emotions. And so, you know, no one really of, none of us really have this ability, but the Bible is simply pointing it out to us that if we don't, and one of the other things is, is that we become victimized not just by our emotional reactions, we become victimized by an enemy, a fallen angel, whom the Bible names as the devil. And this fallen angel, this greatest weapon against the believer and the non-believer is emotion. Negative emotions, fear, anxiety, hatred, vengeance, all of these things. His greatest enemy, the greatest way he works against us is through inciting particularly negative emotion. And if we don't understand negative emotion, we don't know how to discern emotion and bring emotion into subjection of truth. If we don't learn that, we become victims. We're cities with a broken down walls because the enemy will incite you. You cannot control what is happening to you, but you can control what is happening through you. So just because your emotions are moving out doesn't mean you have to. Proverbs says, a fool's die for lack of self-control. What does that mean? 
A lot of destruction comes into our lives because we've not learned how to control particularly our emotions. Most of our bad decisions are emotional ones. Can we agree? Why did I say that? You know, <laughs> why did I do that? Why, you know, most of our bad decisions and most of our bad actions are rooted in a lack of control emotionally. So how do you deal with your, how do you feel? How do we deal with this? Well, number one, you can't do it alone. This is very important. Very, very, very important. You can't do it alone. John 15, five says, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad there's an answer to the human condition? Aren't you glad there's a solution to our problems? Aren't you glad there's a remedy to the things that really screw us up? I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad Jesus doesn't leave me alone. I'm glad God doesn't abandon me to myself. I'm glad there's a solution. Aren't you glad? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does it look like? Number one, it looks like a new heart. How does this, what does this look like? Looks, the first thing is the heart. The heart is the center of all things. It's the center of everything. Jesus says this, that's why he doesn't save your mind. He saves your heart, your spirit, your inner person. He's not reasoning with your mind and asking you, do you think salvation is a good idea, Kevin? No, he asks, he imprints it upon the heart and calls me from the heart as he calls you. Luke 6, 45 says, a good, per, a good man or a good person out of the good treasure of their heart spring forth good things. And an evil person out of the evil treasure of their hearts brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ooh. Somebody needs to write that down, meditate on that one. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is speaking. So there's a direct relationship to what I'm putting in my heart and what I'm filling my heart with to the actual words that I'm speaking. Ouch. This idea of a good person, it's the Greek word agathios. Agathios. And what it means is right with God. So it says, a person who is right with God out of that heart brings forth things that are right to God. There is none righteous, there is none good. Jesus said, only me. And so you got to get that. Well, why is he calling people good? Well, we go back to the Greek. We study what the word actually is. What does that word mean? What is it, what is it saying? And it's the word agathios. Aga means to, to, to lift high. So we see sin falls. Sin, we fall. And we see aga, we lift high. And theos is God. The person who is lifted high by God. The person who is right or positioned by God. So the first thing that helps us is that the tre if we want the treasure that's coming out of us, if we want the fruit or the benefit of what is happening in our lives to be different, we have to get a new heart. We have to have an agathios. We have to have an experience with God in the heart. The evil person is the Greek word panos or ponos, and it means pain. So the person with a wounded heart brings forth wounded things. <laughs> hurt people hurt people. Simple as that. And so even as a Christian, your heart can be right with God. But if you're bringing forth painful things and you're hurting other people, the question is, what is hurting in me? Where's the pain within my own heart that is causing me to cause pain to others? What is the pain within my own heart? What is the unresolved issue within my own heart that is not only causing me to hurt others, but is causing me to inflict damage upon myself? The issue is always the heart. Proverbs says, keep. It literally means look to, keep or watch. Look to your heart with all diligence. For out of what? The heart. What comes out of the heart? Every issue of life comes out of the heart. Jesus said it's not what comes, it's not the outward things that defile us. It's what comes out of us that defile us or make us wrong. And so we've got to learn to deal with our heart. 
If we want something different and we want a different life and we want a different experience and we want a different level of our faith and we want to know our destiny, we have to learn to deal with our heart. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And he's the only one that can do it. Jesus is the only one. Non-Christian, you've never given your life to him. You don't even know what it's like to have a new heart. Christian, you have been born again. You've experienced the new life within you and you're making mistakes, well, guess what? He will clean your heart. He will make it right again. He'll set it right if you're willing to let him deal with it. See, we, we create this sort of religious culture to where we pretend that we've got everything figured out. We pretend that we don't sin. We pretend, and, and what happens is people start struggling and people start uh, falling and people start not knowing how to walk forward and 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 what we do is the church presents this standard of this absolute perfection where everything's bubblegum and candy and the pastor's skipping down and telling everybody I wake up and my kids are singing you know and the people can't identify with that because that's not their world and so we relate this back to the people and we say if you can only reach the spiritual height that I am then you'll understand your you too your children will wake up singing my kids don't wake up singing. I got to get a forklift to get them out of bed. Okay? It's not like that. We all have issues. We all have realities that we have to deal with. And God's the only one that can set us right. And we have to create an environment and a culture where it's like we're all broken and it's okay. I got crazy and guess what? So do you. So do you. And the older you get, the more you realize the crazy you have. Isn't it true? Once you cross these thresholds of marriage, you realize, wow, I got crazy, and my spouse has crazy. Then you have kids, and you're like, I got crazy, she's got crazy, and the kids got crazy. Everybody's got crazy. We have to create an environment where we, that's, we, we, while we accept that, we don't stay in that. We accept that that is true so that we can have grace and forgiveness for where we are. We begin to progress forward out of that state and into another one. Jeremiah 24, 7 says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a heart to know me. People don't know God because they have not called upon him. People do not know who Jesus is because they, have, they don't know him. Anyone who does not confess Christ does not know God, period. Well, I believe God is this, and I believe God is this, and this is who God is to me, and I believe God is the universe, and I don't believe there is any God, and it's all this slurry of confusion. And you don't know God. If you've not confessed Christ, you don't know him. You will never know him. There's a veil over your eyes. The gospel is hidden to those who are perishing. You cannot see until you confess Jesus. And then when you confess Jesus, guess what he gives you? A heart to know him. Wow. It's the word intimacy. I will give you a heart to know me. I will give you a heart to experience me. I will give you a heart to be like me. And I am the Lord and you will be my people. What does he do? He gives you a heart to know him when you confess him. He says, I will be, you will be my people. I will look at you and I will claim you as my own. No one wants you, I want you. No one cares about you, I care about you. You will be my people and I will be your God. There'll be no mystery as to who your God is anymore. Your God won't be the stock market, your intellect. The God won't be what your parents used to say about you. The God will not be the culture. I will be your God. Your identity will be found in me. And I'll do this when you give your whole heart to me. Your whole heart, not your half heart, not your mind. I think I believe in Jesus. Your whole heart, all in. Boom, that's the gospel. 
We want to learn how to deal with our emotions. We want to learn to bring this crazy under control or bring it at least into a, a constructive direction. We have to have a new heart. And we have to have a new way. The two great commands of Jesus, two great commands, all can be summed up in the two great commands. And I'm not talking about the golden rule. Jesus said, return to me. Repent is the word. Come back to me. Give it all to me. And the second command was walk after me. Walk after me. We have to go a new way. And that way is the way that Jesus tells us to go. We have to do different things, change different things. If you want what you've never had, let's just say this together because this is really fun. And I love interaction. So I never get upset with people. I, I like it. You can, you can, amen, you can shout. You can like, you know, whatever it is you, you so feel inclined to do, you know, you're, you're allowed. <laughs> but let's say this together. If I want what I've never had, I, have nev I must do what I've never done. If you want what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. Nine's time, we said it last week. The definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's the very definition of stupid. Keep doing the same thing, and you think it's going to be different. If you want what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. One of the new ways is learning to identify the emotion. How is it that I'm feeling? What is the reaction that is going on inside of me? Why am I resenting this person? Why am I resenting them? What is going on? Am I believing a lie? Is it a perception that I have? Is it an emotion? Am I being deceived? What's going on here? Or is it related to an action? What is the, what is the, what is the issue behind the emotion? We have to identify the emotion. Next slide. What is it I'm feeling? Why am I feeling this way? So here's how we resolve it. We go by a new way emotionally. This is how we move from reactive to proactive in our emotions. We're actually in control of the situation rather than following the, the, the emotions that are charging us. We move from reactive to proactive by asking, what is the emotion that I'm dealing with here? Why am I feeling this way? This takes a little bit of work, people. So we just, what we're used to and what we're trained to do is just fly off the handle. The third one is to resolve it correctly. So, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And what is the model that the Bible gives me or gives us to resolve it correctly? Well, if it's a person, the scripture tells us how to resolve it. It tells us to go to the person. If your brother has an offense against you, you can translate it also. If you have an offense against someone else, what's it say? Go to the person. Does it say go to your neighbor? Does it say, pick up the telephone and start calling all your Christian brothers and sisters? Does it say, go to somebody else and discuss it with them? It says, go to who? The person. The person who's offended you or the person that you know is offended by you. So you know someone's offended by you, you go to them. If someone else has offended you, you go to them. That's what the scripture tells us, Matthew 18. And it says, you go to the person. Well, what if they don't listen to me? Then you bring an objective third party. This is what the Bible says. You bring someone else that kind of goes, hey, you listen, I think he's got a point. I think she's got a point. You might want to listen to it. And if the person doesn't listen to you and doesn't listen to the counsel of that with a third, an objective third party, then it says you bring it, if they're Christians, you bring it under spiritual authority because that's the point of the church. You go and talk to a pastor or an elder, and then the pastor or an elder sits down and goes, hey, listen, listen, man. He has a point. Okay, is this what happened? Yes, yeah, what happened? Okay, there's a point here. This is how it needs to be resolved. And so if they don't listen to you, they don't listen to the counsel of a third objective third party, and they won't listen to pastoral authority or ministry authority, the Bible says release them as an unbeliever. 
doesn't mean they're not saved. It means you have to treat them that way, as immature, as unknowing. You have to treat them as if they don't know. That's the point. And so when we have offenses, as Christians, we must be relational experts in issues of our emotions. There is no excuse. Jesus has called us to be relational experts. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The world doesn't know how to resolve issues. Christians should. The world doesn't know how to resolve conflict. Christians should. The world doesn't know how to deal with their emotions. Christians should. And we should model it. And we should reflect it. And we should be a part of it. Where there is strife and con- Come on. The Bible says where there is strife and contention, pettiness, silliness, gossipiness, picking, nitpicking stuff. It says, are you not still immature? Are you not still in diapers? That's what it says. When you guys don't even know how to deal with each other constructively and resolve your conflicts, are you still not babies? Jesus is looking for people to rise. He's looking for sons and daughters who will reflect his kingdom to a culture. In a world that's gone crazy, if you think that anything different than that is going to bring change, your faith is under all-out assault, in case you don't know, on every level. And so what it means is, is that you need to become a follower of Christ more than at any other time in your life. And if you've never done that, this is what you need to do. And if you've been following Jesus for a while and you're still sucking on the bottle, it's time to grow up. It's time to put on big girl pants, big boy pants, and grow up. And stop making excuses. We have to learn to resolve our conflicts correctly. We go to the person. And here's the deal. If you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out. You ever notice that? You don't talk it out, you're going to take it out. This is what we are, right? I, I love this. I talk about this all the time when I'm talking about emotions. We have like different ones. We have the garbage can. You guys got the green garbage cans at your house where they pick it up, right? You ever, like, you ever go there, like on, our garbage comes on Tuesday. You ever go there on Monday and you open up the lid? Whoa, oh my gosh, what's in there, right? Because it's been fermenting for four days. This is what some people do with their emotions. They just stuff it. They stuff it. They stuff it. And then one day the lid comes off and woof, out comes all of the everything. Everybody's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Because you've been stuffing it. You don't know how to resolve your issues correctly. You don't go to the person, you don't talk it out, you don't talk it out constructively. It's the issue. Or we're Frappuccinos, right? Like Frappuccino, Starbucks coffee, we ice everybody out. Everything good? Yeah, fine. How come you're not talking to me? Oh, no reason. No reason at all. I, I called you, invited you, you never got back to me. Oh, sorry. We, we ice them out, right? Or we kind of get gangster on them. What we do? Oh, you're going to do that to me? Oh, yeah? All right. You're going to pull a knife, I'm going to pull a gun. You're going to put me in a hospital, I'm going to put you in the morgue, Chicago way. That's how we operate, right? You're not cooking dinner, honey? I'm not cutting the grass. Oh, you're not cutting the grass? We're not having sex. We're not having sex. I'm sleeping on the couch. Good, good. Gangster. <laughs> we have to learn to talk it out constructively, right? Lower the tone, talk calmly, talk creatively, think it through. That's why, how, why am I feeling, what am I feeling, and why am I feeling this way? And how do I resolve it correctly? If it's an issue of fear, we look to the promises of God. We have to discover that there's an issue with us within ourselves, that there's, there's something wrong, there's something missing, and so we have to learn to either trust God and then deal with the root of why I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? Have I been abandoned many times? Have people not come through? Am I perceiving God as if I was perceived a man? Is that my problem? We have to identify. If it's an issue of identity, 
A lot of Christians have a problem with identity. They're still walking around. I'm still a miserable sinner saved by grace, not according to the gospel. You're adopted now and you're a son and a daughter. You're an heir to the household. You're an heir to the kingdom. What does that look like? Well, the first thing it looks like is learning and understanding that that's who you are. And then, it, then the second side of that is learning how to live according to that identity and not living according to the identity of the former way. And that's a process. And part of that process is through looking to the promises. So what am I feeling? Why am I feeling? Well, how do I resolve this correctly? Asking the Holy Spirit, huge. Sometimes it's an issue of trust. It's an issue of the word. The two greatest keys in the believer's life, the two greatest gifts to the believer is the word of God and the spirit of God. Those are the two greatest gifts. The word of God. What do we do with the word of God? We read it. Let the meditations of my heart and my, the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Mouths are oftentimes the issue of emotional response. And so the question is, is, what are you meditating on in your heart? Meditating on your heart in the word of God. Let God's word get in you. Let God's word read you. Let God's word help you. The Holy Spirit. So how do we interact with the word of God? We read it. How do we interact with the spirit? We worship. We invite his presence. We let him move. We let him move. We begin to pray. We begin to ask, Lord, what's my problem? What is my major malfunction? I used to say this a lot early on. I, told, I, I would tell the Lord, take me apart. And I would say that with my hands shaking, completely disassemble me. I do not want to be who I am. I do not want to hold anything back. I do not want to create. I want you to completely take me apart. Every aspect of me, take me apart and reassemble me. And he does. And it's a rough go. And it's a rough road. But that's what leads to the new, that's what leads to you walking in a new world. And I've actually had somebody recently tell me that. I can't remember who told me that, but they were telling me, man, I, you know, I remember you saying that you asked the Lord to take you apart and to put you back together. You know, and that's what the scripture says, search me and know me. The only way that God can search you and know you is to take you apart and hold this up and say, look at that, Kevin. And be like, what? This is, this is an issue you have. You have to deal with this. This is hindering you. This is keeping you from being whole. He will make you whole. It's a holistic gospel. But he will not make you whole. It's, there's a process. It's called redemption. There's a process. It's called sanctification. There's a process involved in that. We think just because we receive Jesus, all of a sudden everything's going to get magically better. No, you're still, you're still emotionally dysfunctional. You have to learn through relationship to allow the Holy Spirit to change you. And he loves you. He wants nothing from you. He's safe. You can trust. You can say, Lord, what's wrong with me? He's going to go, uh, you got some issues here, Kevin. Let me just point out a couple of you that I think you can actually accept right now. There's more over here, right? We got a few over here, but you're not at the place where you can receive that yet. So let me deal with you on a couple of levels and let me show you a few things that I think we can work on. And that's what he'll do. And then you know what you'll do? You'll get better. You'll get whole. And then as you get better and you get whole, then you're able to minister back to other people. You're able to actually, now you become healthy and you're healthy in that area. And now you actually become a minister of that truth or a minister of that gospel because what God has done for you, you now carry it. You understand? What he does for you, you become a carrier of that. You carry that now. The Spirit of God is through worship. The Spirit of God and the word of God is our comfort. It's our guide. It's what reassures us. You need reassurance, read the word of God, man. Read the word of God. You need hope, praise, worship. Let God bring hope. Lord, I need hope. Holy Spirit, you're sent as a comforter. Why would he be a comforter if we didn't need comfort? Why would he be a reassurer if we didn't need reassurance? Why would he be a guide if we didn't need a guide? Have to learn to call upon him. Have to learn to let him ask and let him come and let him be who he is. We have to learn his language, which is his word, so that he can actually speak to us. 
We don't hear him because we don't know his word. He's, Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaks scripture. So you know. Does the Holy Spirit speak? Yes, he speaks scripture. He speaks according to the word of God. Write out how you feel. Here's some other practical issues to help you deal with how you feel. Spirit of God, the word of God, write out how you feel. Journal it. Just start writing down anger, hatred, violence, uncertainty. Just start scribbling out words on a page. They're called clearing pages, actually. It's an artist. It's a way of artists getting past a writer's block. They, they, they're trained to write clearing pages. And one of the ways things you do is write clearing pages. Just start scribbling out how you feel. It may not make any sense, but at least you're getting it out, right? You know, you're talking it out so you don't take it out. You just write it out. And then you ask the Lord, why am I feeling like this? Why am I out? Well, here's the problem, Kevin. Here it is. Write out how you feel. Ask the Lord to show you. Change your company. Sometimes you were around the wrong crowd. And that wrong crowd is affecting us, sending us off in negative ways, sending us off in negative directions. Change your environment. Go someplace beautiful. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of the house. Sometimes you just got to go for a walk. Sometimes you just got to go for a drive. Lastly, change your choices. A lot of times our choices relate in these negative emotions. We make a choice and guilt and shame and regret all come from the choice we just made. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> we make a choice and now all of a sudden I have guilt, shame, and all this regret that I have to deal with because of the choices that I make. So change your choices. Get around good company. Last slide, next slide. And the last thing is you need a new beginning. A new beginning is where we actually get down on it. This is really not just a new beginning in Christ. But this is for the person that is a Christian and I'm a pastor and I'm in the people business and I watch people struggle again and again and again and again and again. And the biggest area that the church struggles with, we don't struggle spiritually. We don't even so much struggle uh, physically. Where people struggle is emotionally. That's where the issue is. And this is oftentimes where the church has failed to understand how to minister to the whole person, where the church has failed to un understand how to minister to the broken emotion that is actually causing reactive responses. We just say, oh, just read your Bible and pray. Well, that's great. You should read your Bible and pray. I'm all for that, 100%. But we got to learn to look at the junk, ladies and gentlemen. You hear me say it. If you want to be whole emotionally, you've got to go to the point of pain. That's why people aren't whole emotionally, because they don't want to go to the point of pain. For instance, you go to the hospital, right? Let's just say you got something stuck in you, right? I used to work construction, so guys would get stuck. They get speared with things all the time. <laughs> Nails stuck in them. I had a nail stuck in me one time. I was using a nail gun, and the nail bounced off the wall and stuck me right here. I had to pull it out. Let's say you go to the doctor, and you got a wound, and the doctor wants to look at the wound. What do you do? Do you want him to look at the wound? Something nasty. Right? And that wound is hurting. And the doctor wants to poke on it, right? He wants to rip off a bandage. He wants to pour something on it. You, your reaction is, no way, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want you to touch it. Don't touch it. See, men were like that. We get a splinter in our foot, and our wives are like, hey, let me help you with that splinter. Don't you touch it! Don't touch my foot! I got a splinter in my foot. Our pain tolerance, you know. So, anyway. But we don't want anybody to touch our pain. We don't want anybody to deal with our pain. But if we don't deal with our pain, we don't get healed. If we don't deal with our pain, we don't get hurt, we don't get helped. It's just that simple. It's a lifelong process, it's an issue. You know, you're gonna get wounded, you're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get traumatized. The first thing you gotta deal with is the issues of the past. Then there's gonna be stuff that happens to you along the way that you're gonna have to deal with, unfortunately. It's just an issue, we're screwed up. But there is an answer. We have to deal with our past. What do we deal with? We deal with our past regrets, we deal with our past imprints, okay? 
You ever see concrete? They imprint concrete. When concrete's wet, it's imprinted. Lots of people have imprints, emotional imprints in them. When they were young, when they were wet concrete, imprints were made upon them. We have to deal, we have to deal with our past attitudes and our pains. And I'm just going to ramble off a bunch of scriptures here. How do we deal with our grats? One on one, we confess our sin. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to do what? To cleanse us from all that is not right. And so when we have regrets and you're carrying guilt and shame, God doesn't want you to carry that. God doesn't even look at you in light of that. You just give it to him. Lord, I just feel so bad for what I've done. I just really regret that. And oftentimes when Christians give their lives to Christ and the Holy Spirit is applied to them, wounds start weeping. Okay? Wounds start weeping because the oil is now inside of you and God is now drawing out infection. So oftentimes people come to Christ and then they remember something they did when they were 18. They're like, oh my gosh, why do I feel? And people are like, well, you just got to deal with the guilt and shame. God's forgiven you, so you need to forgive yourself. Yeah, okay, I got that. But if Jesus is surfacing something with you, he wants you to give it to him. Lord, I regret the time I partied and I trashed my friend's house. I know that was 30 years ago, but I regret the time I partied. and Whatever it may be, if he surfaces something with you, he wants you to give it to him. He wants you to release it, even as a Christian. It's how we deal with how we feel. If anyone is in Christ or a new creation, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have to move past the imprints of our past, the words that people have said to us, the traumas that people have inflicted in us. We have to move past that. And the way you move past that is by imprinting a new mirror or imprinting a new image through the word of God, through prayer, through meditation, through coming to church and hearing the good news. We have to put away past attitudes, put away the former things of your life, the things that relate to your fallen nature, which is doomed to perish as it, as, as it befits its misleading impulses. We have to put away past attitudes, the, thing, the way that we used to be. We're not that way anymore. Romans says this, don't copy the behavior or the customs of this culture. You're of a kingdom culture, not of this culture. This is who you are, Christian. You're part of a kingdom culture, not part of this culture. You're in this culture, but you're not of this culture. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let the Lord transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think, the renewal of the mind. The word of God renews the mind. You should be reading the New Testament, minimum. Read the New Testament. You say, I don't understand it. He didn't say understand it. He said, read it. We understand it through teaching. When it's taught to us, we understand it. We understand it through the meditation of the Spirit, and God will give us insights into it. But we're not supposed to, just because we don't understand it, we're not supposed to read it. No, he says, read it anyway. We learn what is acceptable for God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then here's Psalm 41. The, Lord, the, the psalmist is saying, Lord, be gracious to me and heal my soul. What is the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. Heal my soul. People think Christians, oftentimes I hear pastors, they don't want to get into this area of the soul. They go, oh, the soulish, it's devilish. That's the arm of the devil. We want to get into that. Yeah, well, I don't live from my soul, but there's oftentimes there's damage within the soul. I don't live from my soul, but oftentimes there's issues within the soul that have to be resolved. And there's ways of resolving that. We do things here. We do a ministry called Sozo. Sozo just helps you kind of get the garbage out of the way so that you can kind of get the emotions moving in the right way. If you're interested in Sozo, Email Elevate Miami Church at Gmail. We'll tell you about that. Counseling. I recommend counseling highly, particularly with issues that are repetitive and compulsive and you can't kind of get past them. I recommend that as well. If you need counseling references, we have counseling references. 
Church at Gmail. Those are other things. But the issue is that you become holistic. The issue is that you become whole. Does anybody not want to be whole? I, 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 you know, I don't want to be me. I want to be who God has created me to be. That was Jacob's cry when he held on to him and he wouldn't let him go. And he said, don't leave me the same. Don't leave me the same. Jesus, don't leave me the same. I don't want to be the same. I want to grow up. I want to be better. I want to, I want to get past the issues that are causing problems and conflicts with myself. I want to get past the issues that are causing conflicts and problems with other people. And the way we deal with that is we have to learn to deal with how we feel. Amen? All right. Is anybody here? All right, let's go. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to take you all the way back to the first and that you need a new heart. And the Bible says if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he was risen from the dead, you'll be saved. You cannot, you are hopeless and helpless apart from Christ and you need a savior. So we're just going to close this service with a prayer. And if that's you here this morning, we're going to pray this. We're going to pray it out together. We're going to open our hearts and we're going to receive. And all we ask you to do is simply pray with us and open your heart and receive the gift that he has for you. So let's just close with prayer. Let's pray this out together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are a savior and I need a savior. I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore my soul. I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. You say, that's it? No, that's the start of it. That's the start of a new life. So I'm going to bless you one more time. All right? I'm just going to speak the blessing. This, is, this blessing comes from the book of Exodus. And when the priest would pray over the people, when they would congregate, it's called the Aaronic blessing, Aaron. And he would bless the people. And so it's a congregational blessing over the people of God. And it just goes like this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. And may he give you peace. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.